0: As we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. Okay, so let's keep going with um, the the philosophy of the, the uh, exploring the mind. So when I mentioned earlier in the uh, in the first part of the class about how sometimes uh, the meditation or the spiritual philosophy. Uh, puts down the role of the mind. Has anyone encountered that in in your reading? Or yeah, in, can you give us an example? Uh, Eckhart Tolle the mind of the yes, equates, the two. equates the mind with the ego, yeah. and then. Um, So, right. So then, that brings up the challenge. Well, how does how do you know you function in um, in uh, the world without the use of the mind? And so, one, uh, one, one way to look at um, ego and the mind is that the mind is this huge um, cauldron of thoughts, and the formation of them creates your ego, and so that. By um, stilling the mind, you can uh, get rid of the ego. Another way to look at mind is instead of thinking of it as um, individual thoughts, is to see mind as the fabric of consciousness. So there's a teacher by the name of Ramana Maharshi who has a beautiful quote that says, mind... Is the wondrous power of the soul. And so, if we imagine the soul or our essence as this infinity or this pure bliss, in that bliss, there's no duality. There's just like this expanse of infinity. And so, for duality to come into play, is the, is the realm of the mind because we need objects and subjects and differentiation and um, individuality and all of these things. And so that the the mind is the wondrous power through which creation comes about. Just like if you're, um, I guess if you're, if you're asleep and you're not dreaming, then, that's one state of being It's just like a void. But then if a dream arises through your mind, you start to dream, then, then a, a, a world comes into existence. And so the mind, uh, you could see it as a wondrous power that, that, that brings existence um, forward. Anyone else an example of where they've encountered a lot of... Um, negative connotations connected to the mind. Uh, A born-again Christian once came into one of my meditation classes and said that if you still the mind, then that's when the devil comes forward. Or that idea that um, idle hands are the devil's Workshop, and so the idea there is that I'm not sure what exactly the idea is, but I guess that if your mind's always going, somehow this evil within you um, won't come forward. That you know, a constantly active mind is going to subdue it somehow, which is you know a whole um, a whole other philosophy. Because as we all know, when our minds start to spin. Um, in a negative way, with a lot of self-doubt or um, insecurity or whatever it is, that that can be a very um, negative experience. And so what we really want, and that's where I think Sri Chinmoy gets into the idea that he says, um, not to discard the mind, rather what we should do is be always conscious of the mind. And so being, to me that means being always conscious of this wondrous power of your mind but having a little bit of detachment from it. So going back to the dream analogy, has anyone ever had a lucid dream? Or does, it, does anybody not know what a lucid dream is? Lucid dream. So a lucid dream is the idea that while you're dreaming, you actually realize that you're dreaming. And a lot of times what happens is as soon as you realize you're dreaming, like you get excited and wake up. So the dream ends. The idea with a lucid dream is that you're in the middle of the dream and something happens that tips you off that you're dreaming. So they say one thing is if you're in the dream, if you look at your hands and become really conscious of yourself, you can start to realize that you're dreaming. Or if you, in the dream, pick up something to read... That in the dream state, the, the the typeface won't hold together, like super details don't hold together in the dream state. And then you can real, you can realize, oh, I'm dreaming right now, and just stay calm. And then that's where the dream becomes lucid because then you can uh, do anything you want because. You, you now have the power realizing that, oh, I'm creating this whole reality. Let me do what, um, what I choose to. And so that, I think, is, is one way to look at this ability to just kind of observe the mind. It's kind of like being in a dream and observing and realizing, okay, I'm dreaming right now, rather than being lost in the dream. Because for as many hours, I've had, uh, you know, I don't know, X number of lucid dreams. But compared to the number of hours that I've spent dreaming, it's so, it's so tiny. And so most of the time in our dreams and in our lives, we're just lost in the dream of it. We forget about ourselves. We forget about our breathing. We forget about gratitude in our hearts. And we're just, we're lost in the dream and so in, in those times, we're not really observing our mind. We're lost in our mind. Now, reflecting on your, on your own lives, are there times or things that you do that make you more able to observe your mind? So meditation would be one, but are there other times when you're able to become more observant and conscious of your mind. How about journaling? Right? That would be a time because you're actually writing down your thoughts. So you're, be, you're becoming more conscious of what's going on. Are there other things people do? Mary? Mary? Mm-hmm. So I'm observing what what occurred, and I'm thinking, how can I solve this? Mm-hmm. And so then I have, to say, I have to step back and say, quiet down and go to sleep. Because you know? mm-hmm. otherwise it just plays over and over again. So now I say, is that observing your mind? Sure. You, you start to observe it, it um, going round and round. and find a solution. Try and find a solution, let it get quiet. Okay? How? What are other ways people do it? Mm-hmm. and you start thinking about those types of things and you can kind of do it slowly and thoughtfully and it, it becomes peaceful and connect in that way. I think also uh, playing off that idea is when things that we do that allow us to start to think really clearly. Um, so for myself... Before I learned meditation, uh, running was that activity. I mean, it still is, but now I know how to meditate. But before I knew how to meditate, running was my primary way to get um, some breathing room between me and all the thoughts going on in my head. And so exercise can be that tool. And I think art also, doing some art or whatever you like to do to express yourself, because every time you express yourself, you're, you're objectifying what's going on inside, and that I think is becoming more conscious of your mind. So therefore, we must not discard the mind. Rather, what we should do is be always conscious of the mind. Okay, then let's talk about reading. So um, Sri Chimoy mentions in the passage, if we want to make the fastest progress, then read things that will inspire you. So what are examples of things people are reading right now that are inspiring you? Yeah, is anyone doing any inspirational reading? Um, I really enjoy reading Chodon. Uh, is that how you say your uh, name? Oh, oh Prema. C H uh, R O D O N? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I pick up one of her books, so I'll, keep, you know, I'll read it and read the next one and go back to the first one. But... Great, and she's, she's a, a, a Buddhist monk, right? Yeah, okay. I've, I've, and she writes a lot about the heart and compassion. Okay, what else are people reading that's inspiring? Nothing? Okay, the Bhagavad Gita, one of the great scriptures of um, India. Who spoke? Oh, it was uh, Sarah out there. By the Dalai Lama. Which one? The heart of happiness. Art. The art of happiness. And what's his basic idea of happiness? Um, doing things for others. Mm-hmm. Doing things for others. Why would that bring happiness? Huh? to oh, go yeah, that's one of the reasons you for you we stop thinking about yourself so much instead of all our thoughts like me, me, me shifting outward. And then the in the in the um the book Pujari's talking about the Bhagavad Gita, it also talks about the idea that when we do things for others unconditionally, so not You know, conditionally means I'm going to do something for you, but I'm expecting something back. When you do things unconditionally, then you learn to, like, let go of so much expectation in life. Because a lot of times the, the very thing that binds us or causes us a lot of, like, contraction and holding is all of our expectation. So in the process of doing things for others... We stop thinking about ourselves so much and then if we can let go of expectation we can do that even more. Okay, so Dalai Lama and then in the back there. Mm Okay. Mm -hmm. Right, there's not a lot of importance given to quiet. So the book itself is called Quiet. Okay? I heard a good uh, definition I liked anyway of introvert versus extrovert, and it has to do with how a person re-energizes themselves, that the introvert tends to like quiet or turning within activities, whereas the extrovert... um, gets energy by like just being around people and all of the, the interaction. So how we, how we recharge and reconnect with ourselves. So then Sri Chamoy's suggestion, and I have always found it helpful, is um, to, to always have some type of reading that you're doing um, that's gonna be uplifting. To have it in your life somewhere, whether it's on your bedstand or during your lunch break, or just sometime, even if it's just a few minutes a day, or maybe you have um, a calendar, you know, a, a daily aphorism calendar that you know has positive statements or witticisms that lighten your heart a little bit, or just something so that you're getting in the in the um, getting that uplifting energy into your mind each day will, will really help quite a bit. And then the last thing is the idea that always read the things that will inspire you and lead you towards your goal. And so I think that that's a really important thing in this, the journey of meditation and the inner journey is to have a sense of what your goal is and to make your goal as tangible and concrete as possible. And by concrete, it doesn't mean that the goal has to be materialistic, but for you to have concrete representations of it. So let's just say that you're reading some Buddhist scriptures and your goal is nirvana. Pretty lofty goal. But if your goal is nirvana, to have some, like let's say the idea of a vision board that we talked about earlier. So you could create a vision board that for you represents nirvana. And so what would be some examples of pictures that you personally might put on that board? Actually, just, we'll just go uh, around the circle and each person say one picture or image you would put on that board for nirvana. We'll start with Pujari. Okay, stars and planets. Sunset. Sunset. Which? Heavens. Mountains? Mountain and Mountains and a lake. Um, starry sky. Starry sky. Yeah. Animals? Uh, just like the pure human body. The pure human body naked? Yeah. yeah. Okay? Okay. Okay, so <laughs> the, 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 the nothingness of Nirvana? <laughs> We'll just, we'll have a white space in there. (laughs) Okay. What's that? Dogs. Dogs, dogs. Oh, okay. M.C. Escher. Okay. Good nature. So it's interesting that no one, that, well, the, uh, ironically, the first image that came into my mind um, was an image of the Buddha. But I was the only one who had that idea. Everyone else chose. Well, my two things were the image of the Buddha and like a beautiful blade of grass. And so that type of, that, that, so that's the idea of, of making our goal tangible. Because you could also equate it with that was like, what image would you choose? Then you could also ask yourself, you know, what sound for you would be Nirvana? And you, someone might pick a certain symphony. Someone might pick the chanting of Om. Someone might pick nature sounds. You know, what color would Nirvana be for you? And, and so, so basically trying to bring your goal to life through your own efforts because if it's just the word nirvana or you read it in somebody else's book that it's incredible to have the experience of nirvana, then it still is, is kind of removed from you. But when you personalize it to yourself with your imagery, um, then with your imagery, with your sounds, with your colors, whatever it is, then you can make it more real and more tangible. And then it's like a loop, it's a feedback loop because the more tangible your goal is, the more you'll be inspired to practice. And the more you practice, the more, the more real the goal becomes. And you know, so it's just a, um, it's a loop like that that needs, that needs the energy. So, so bringing things into our mind, reading, watching movies, et cetera, et cetera, that inspire us, uplift us, and move you towards your goal. Okay, good. All right, so with that, we'll say um, <laughs> good evening, good night, and <laughs> we'll see everybody soon. Maybe Friday night, Saturday night at the concert or next Tuesday. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.